Hey, thanks for listening to Everyday Greatness. It's a nice little show brought to you by our major sponsor, ARA Group, an employee-owned company that provides essential services for your facility and infrastructure and is one of Australia's biggest supporters of community projects. Everyday Greatness isn't rocket science. We're just trying to make you feel proud again of simply being a good, solid human being by speaking to some real people who found that the strength they needed to deal with any challenge in their life had been inside them the whole time. The ARA Group is proud to stand alongside Everyday Greatness, and we all hope that you enjoy the show. If you think of a person who's tough as nails, you might picture someone who is rough as guts. But in the case of Australian Paralympic silver medal swimmer Ahmed Kelly, he is as gentle as a lamb and as noble as a steed. Ahmed's nickname is Liquid Nails in honour of his toughness and the fact that he spends a lot of time in, in the pool. Ahmed was born with severe limb deficiencies and he lived in an orphanage in Baghdad until, until he was brought to Australia when he was adopted along with his brother Emmanuel at seven years of age by Melbourne woman Moira Kelly. Despite Ahmed's arms going to his elbows and the fact that he has prosthetic legs, Ahmed played Aussie rules for the Kilmore Blues, but that thick skin is only exterior. Ahmed has said the day his mother, Moira, walked into his life was one of the best days of his life. As a kid, Ahmed dreamt of being an AFL commentator or a school teacher, and he insists he was the luckiest boy in Australia growing up. And he said it all with a smile on his face. Those dreams of becoming an AFL commentator or a school teacher were rudely interrupted when Ahmed set a Paralympic swimming world record in the 100 metres breaststroke. He's gone on to represent Australia at three Paralympics, the most recent of which in Tokyo, he won a silver medal. Ahmed Kelly's story sounds tough, but Ahmed is a true gentleman. And it gives me absolute pleasure to say that Ahmed Kelly joins us now on Everyday Greatness. Ahmed, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Barnaby. It's great to be on the show. So t- tell me what you remember about your life in Iraq, growing up in an orphanage in Baghdad. Do you remember much about your life up until seven years of age? Uh, growing up at a Mother Teresa orphanage, uh, which was, uh, basically had kids who, were, who had multiple different disabilities, and growing up there just seemed like any other ordinary day, to be honest with you. And I had my brother Emmanuel that I could grow up with. So we had a great time together and made the most of each day. Beautiful. So your limb deficiencies sound really difficult, but you played Aussie rules football as a kid. Describe for us your physical state and how that makes day-to-day life more difficult. I mean, when I first watched AFL footy and I was instantly inspired by it and I was so taken back by it thinking, wow, this is an amazing sport. And this was when I, uh, a couple of years after I've arrived into Australia and I thought I really, really want to play this game. And like everything I've done previously to playing Aussie rules or attempting to play Aussie rules, it took hard work, thinking outside the box and being patient. And I knew that I wasn't always going to be the fastest person to be able to do things but I'd always be the creative one and think about ways to get around the obstacle or the challenge. And 
I always wanted to try and do do it how other people would do it and then probably put a bit of my own niche to it so that I can actually achieve a very similar outcome to someone who would have fingers or legs and things like that. So Aussie rules and many of the other things that I've been able to achieve was all basically having a goal, working hard and being super patient and having those people around you that supported you rather than always over uh take over and do things for you. So given how difficult day-to-day things that most people take for granted are, like just cutting up your, your dinner, cutting up a steak for dinner, brushing your teeth, to given how difficult they are for you, do you ever look in the mirror? Do you have to look in the mirror and scream at yourself at the start of the day to get motivated to face each day? Or have you just accepted the challenge you will face every day and just get out there and give life the best crack you can? No, I've never had to look at a mirror and scream at myself. Absolutely not. I mean, there are frustrating moments, uh, but that's just the moment. It passes. But you've almost got to wake up and really know that there is a beauty in the day and there is going to be something that you're going to want to achieve. You want to show love to people and you want to be able to set goals and work towards those goals. And that's what it's all about. And I've never really changed my mindset from that. Uh, so every morning, whether it is to to show someone that I really, really love them or to try and help someone achieve their own dreams or things like that, that's what I work towards. So um, definitely always trying to change your attitude and look to the positives. And I, I know there are people out there that don't have that luxury and don't have that opportunity to think positive. But my challenge to them is think about something that really means a lot to them and go work towards that. And uh, I know things can be tough, but if you have the right attitude and if you really think hard about what your strengths are, what your powers are, I really urge you to work towards those strengths and find people who are willing to um, share that dream and work towards the common goal. And then before you know it, you'll, you'll go on to be doing some incredible things. What a beautiful answer. Did you ever look at the kids at footy when you were a kid that had full use of their bodies and their fingers, as you said, or do you watch the able-bodied Olympians running around and wish that you didn't have your disabilities? I mean, you'd always want to – I mean, the thing about Olympians, and they're quite incredible what they achieve, and sometimes you look at them and say, wow, I wish I would be able to do it, and that's natural. But then you look back and say, okay, what can I do? And, and so far I'm very close and, and have, I've been able to do that because yeah, again, setting goals and trying to uh, work towards uh, the way they do things, which is similar to my own goals is to achieve success, work hard, and you'll end up putting some amazing results on the track, on the pool, in a sporting field or a sporting arena on the stage, all that sort of stuff. But one thing we all have in common is we we really really need to work hard, and that's what I've um, I've been able to do. Another beautiful answer, thanks, Ahmed. So tell me a little bit yeah. about your mother, Moira Kelly. What would you think of Moira Kelly if she wasn't your mother? If she wasn't my mother, I I, I think most people who look at uh, someone like my mother and and think she's an incredible lady, and right rightly so. She's a, done some amazing things and helped so many kids with with the help of her charities and uh, they've been able to do some incredible stuff and the amount of kids that have had life-saving or life-changing operations or 
treatments is phenomenal and uh and she was inspired by mother teresa and that's why she does the work she does and um she never gives up and she's a very selfless woman and i mean there'll be days where she'll do so much things for other people and never have the opportunity to do something for her so uh quite an extraordinary woman and when people the outsiders look at that and they, they just can't believe so i'm believing to be honest with you, me as a, her son, I can't believe it either. So uh, she's still doing incredible things and very close to the girls, Trisha and Krishi right now, because Krishi's got a lot of special needs. Um, and Trisha is doing incredible things um, with school, tennis and all that sort of stuff. So very proud of them. As you should be. What an incredible woman Moira Kelly is. So tell me about your swimming career. You have been to three Paralympic Games as a swimmer. When you were a little kid with no arms and no legs, what made you think it was a good idea to start swimming? Well, that's the thing, Barnaby. When I first came to Australia, like people would go into a pool as if it's nothing. I was petrified. And I think it was then uh, the volunteers and my mother realised that Chief was, okay, he hasn't got confidence with water, so let's try to get him into swimming lessons. And swimming lessons normally take maybe a year or so I was there for at least two years um to try and get uh confident in being able to float on the water and not be so scared but then I packed all that up because I was like really interested in footy and then when things got becoming uh when things became challenging in the on the footy field for my uh me which I really wasn't concerned about but <laughs> the the coaches and my mother they were really really concerned about what would happen in many years to come and I wasn't even thinking that far ahead I was just loving the moment and going for it but but truth be told that yeah that was going to be a concern of where what would happen to my knees I mean so far they're doing incredible things for me to be able to wear prosthetic legs I wouldn't want to make it any worse uh so I had to really think long and hard and they were the toughest few weeks uh to make the right decision because I even got offered a assistant coaching position for um for the footy club and and i uh, i could have accepted it but i knew i still wanted to be involved in sport and i really still wanted to push my body and try and achieve something that i wouldn't have thought i could Mm -hmm. so anyway good good close friend of of mine uh was was a swimmer and she was incredible and she kind of motivated me to try and take up swimming uh very very young and but I um and I knew I could swim to save my life, but <laughs> I couldn't swim to to race really fast like her. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I went from one or two sessions a week. Uh, and think I also joined. Um, so I started off at a um, a clinic ran by Karen Jared in uh, Richmond. So once a week, all the swimmers with a disability joined her. Uh, uh, joined a squad uh, on a Tuesday morning at Richmond Swimming Pool. And basically, yeah, she worked on our techniques and things like that. And then she advised me, okay, if you really want to take this serious, why don't you join a local club, which I did, Kilmore Swimming Club. And from then we went to about three sessions a week and I was making good progress. Uh, And then our goal was to make Victorian Championships once we did that. Um, It was a huge learning curve, the whole uh, Victorian Championships. And back then there weren't as many Paralympic swimmers or uh, swimmers with a disability. So we didn't have the experience of heats. So yeah. it was pretty much just a straight final. And then from then 
uh, I made a, I think a year later, I should say, I made a qualifying time to make nationals. And my first nationals was an experience, uh, we, a, a huge learning experience. I got a disqualification and a race that didn't go my way. But again, I wanted to work hard and I realized I had a potential and an opportunity presented itself where I could join a club in Melbourne. And so I took that opportunity and joined Melbourne Vic Centre and was coached under Brad Harris. And he was so energetic in everything that I I love about, uh, which is energetic, thinking outside the box and really wanted me to work hard, which is fantastic. So I went from three sessions a week back in the country in Kilmore to about 11 sessions a week. And I'll tell you what, it was a tough week and uh, it took me a while to get used to that load. But we went on to make some amazing progress. Um, from the nationals that I, everything went against me, the disqualification, the race wasn't going my way, to winning the 100-meter breaststroke. It was such an amazing feeling and hard work pays off. And uh, I felt the reward and kept wanting to push myself. And then I thought, wouldn't it be great to make the Paralympic Games and represent Australia and a way to say thank you for everything they've done at the at the London 2012 Paralympics. So that's what we work towards. And uh, I was so uh, relieved and I couldn't believe it that I'd been selected on the London 2012 Games. And again, huge learning experience. It was my first Paralympics. Like 17,500 people filled the aquatics um, there. And um, I think London did an amazing job to promote Paralympic movement and the way uh, that everybody supported Paralympic uh, athletes was phenomenal. So it was a huge benchmark and something that all countries now work towards. So Rio, um, again, uh, had a lot of challenges. Um, I wasn't the rookie. I was more about trying to make the top three time and again, worked super hard towards that. And um, yeah, and then I think the thing I got out of Rio was I couldn't manage my expectation and the pressure that I put on myself really, really well. So going into Tokyo, I really needed to work that. And um, I had a, uh, a move to Canberra uh, to work with uh, Yuri uh, Devachenko, who really um, invested a lot of time in athletes with a disability who are lower categorized, who quite severe disability. Yep. So invested a lot of his time in those sort of athletes. So quite, quite understood what needed to be done. And again, worked with a sports psychologist so I could un, um, handle the pressure and my expectation and really have a clear race strategy going into the Tokyo Paralympic Games. And pretty much the hard work was done and it was all more about executing it and to get a silver medal and to get an international medal at a Paralympic Games was something I couldn't really dream, uh, couldn't really comprehend, but it was an amazing feeling. And uh, to be on that um podium as again another box ticked which was fantastic another box ticked mate i was watching on television it was more than another box ticked it was one of the most emotional (laughs) things i've seen now thank you you've talked a lot about thinking outside the box and i don't want to offend you but i think you deciding to be a swimmer is thinking outside the box but going a step further your world record came in the breaststroke it's probably the hardest stroke in swimming for someone with your particular limb deficiencies? Do you ever get... It, it when is you... quite, yeah, it is quite technical for people in, uh, with any sort of uh, ability and to not have arms like, yeah, you're right. But again, you don't want to think about those sort of things. You want to think, okay, this is the challenge. 
how do we achieve this uh, goal? So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And did you ever, when you were starting out as a kid, when you're doing your three sessions in Kilmore, did you ever get halfway down the pool and just look around and go, this is taking way too long, I'm, I'm going to give up? No, I never, ever wanted to give up because my goal is once I start something, I want to see it through. And uh, I want people to come up with lots of different ideas rather than ways that something can't be done. Uh, and I've always been surrounded in people that are, yes, uh, that people that are finding ways to uh, go uh, to ch- achieve an outcome, uh, whether it is to think outside of the box, whether it's to uh, think of some of their expect- expertise. Uh, and for myself, to say, okay, this is a challenge um, and it is hard, but if I give up, it's going to be, it, it, it feels the worst thing ever. If you ever give up, it, it, it's the worst feeling. But giving up without trying is worse than anything. But giving up um, is just not really an option for me. So I always want to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And eventually you may fail, but by failing, you do learn how to do something uh, a different way again. So that's been ultimately my mindset going into all the ch- challenges that I face, whether it is in the pool or outside the pool. Very good answer. Now, you are more than just a disability advocate or a Paralympic superstar. You're a really good human being, Ahmed, but your nickname, Liquid Nails, seems to be a contradiction. Can you be a nice person and still tough enough to get through the ruthlessly competitive world of Paralympic sports? I mean, coming out of it, I mean, when I want to do something uh, in a, in a sporting context, that is, uh, you've got to be heart and soul in it. And whether it is to tackle someone to the ground that you, <laughs> they, they can really feel it, then you'll do it. Cause then you, they know the next time that I'm, it's going to attack you. It's going to come really, really hard. And um, the thing you learn about sports is there isn't room for errors. Unfortunately, that, isn't a room for it. And if you, if you do make a mistake, it's not like you said, okay, let's rewind the tape and let's do it again. Or let's cut and try again. That doesn't happen. Everything is as it is. And that's what we love sports. Okay. Cause it's live. It's there and there. It's the decisions that you make. It's the pressure, uh, how you handle that pressure. All that sort of stuff. So, um, I'd love to be the nice guy, um, competing, but then I just won't get the results that I want. Uh, so when I'm com- um, competing in the pool, I've got my f- absolute full focus on what I need to do. And then outside of the pool, I'm a different person. What happens sometimes is with myself is I sometimes forget to switch off from a absolute ferocious competitor <laughs> to living an everyday life. And it's the people around me that I've got to remind me, okay, I'm in, just chill out a bit. And <laughs> that's what that's what i got to try and do. And then you see that a gentle, soft Ahmed. Right. That's going to be very interesting to see the ruthlessly competitive Ahmed not switching (laughs) off. (laughs) Absolutely. So speaking of of attitudes in sport and with disability, tell us about the makeup of the Australian Paralympic team overall. Do people whinge and complain about their disabilities or do they just get on with things as best they can? Absolutely. They um, they get on with it and that's what we've got to love about the Paralympic uh, swim team and everybody has a very unique story. Everybody has overcome their own challenges to get to where they are. 
and we all have a common goal to uh, goal, which is to win uh, a medal for Australia, whether it be bronze or gold. But we're always going for gold, uh, that's for sure. But um, and we we ultimately work hard to continue to defy the odds. Uh, that's what Paralympians are. We're always defying, trying to defy the odds. People may say, "Oh, we can't do this," or "We can't do that." We thrive on people like the naysayers because we want to prove them wrong. We want to show them that we can do things. Uh, and I, I know I've got um, staff on this swim team that are probably saying that there's things that I won't be able to do, but I want to prove to them that I can do it. Uh, I, I've been th- right now in my current uh, state of my swimming uh, yeah. or my position, there are staff on the swim team thinking that I was going to quit or retire. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I'll, I'll be the judge when I'm ready to ret- retire, and I want to prove to them that I am going to m- get to Paris, and that's what we do as Paralympians. We always try and prove to people that we can achieve great things despite what the odds say. Incredible. Now, Ahmed, I have to put my hand up and admit something. When you won your silver medal in Tokyo, I cried watching the television. Do you oh, when, thanks, <laughs> when you watch Paralympics on television – do you get goosebumps and the odd tear because of how proud you are of these Australian human beings doing incredible things, just like me and the rest of the country? More so goosebumps, Barnaby, like because you're in the moment and you, you, you've gone through it. You know what it takes to do the things that ha- happen on the Olympic stage or um, at, a, at a sporting arena. You know what it needs to do. And there are moments you think, wow, how is this even possible? And I, I, I'm a great advocate. Yeah, anything's possible if you work hard. But sometimes there, there are moments that you think, how is it? And that's where you shake your head and you get goosebumps and you, you see the Australian swimmers that do amazing things. You see other countries um, overcoming whatever challenges that they have to overcome. And uh, sometimes people don't realise that we, we do fo- – uh, create a friendship outside of the Australian swim team. And we watch uh, we watch their stories, we watch what they go through, and for them to achieve greatness, it, yeah, it's amazing. It's, and you see a lot of that at a Paralympic Games, which is amazing. And even the Olympics, like you have a lot of different stories in the Olympics. So if you look for the right things, yep. you'll see some incredible stories come out of it. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps again. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you've competed at three Paralympics already. You are aiming to go to the next one? That is my goal. Uh, it is uh, It is very challenging because my focus now is to also set up life beyond the pool and um, a no greater opportunity than what I've been presented now where I've uh, accepted a graduate position for Telstra, which is fantastic. So I'm really trying to make that work with my training and yep. uh, also decided to move back to Melbourne uh, from Canberra. So that was a huge huge move and again and work with an old um coach of mine who was my strength and conditioning coach leading up to both london and rio his name was alex hishow and yep. he worked very closely with brad and i uh in both those games so but now uh he's my full-time swim coach and my gym coach as well which is fantastic and so together we're trying to make the work life work and then slowly shifting that to more so training uh, based in the lead up to the Paris Games. Yep. Well, I look forward to seeing Which is you only a pa- year and a half away. Yeah, uh, true. So fast. So, yeah. So let me ask you about young kids today. 
when you were a young boy growing up in Australia, you were told that you could do anything you put your mind to. And you've said quite a, quite a few times that hard work, you can get anything done. That equation seems like it's missing a step today. Kids seem to think if they dream and want something enough, they just get them. How do you yeah. remind kids that they need to do a bit of hard work along the way? Quite simple, just to share my story and to reiterate countless times that there is no substitute for hard work. And I, and I have seen it. There's people who are f- afraid of working hard and think things will just land on their, on their lap, which it won't. Yeah. Uh, and if you're the w- person who is just waiting for things to happen, they won't. So you've got to really go for it. And that is what I teach you. I do a lot of um, presentations at primary schools uh, from either prep right to grade six and even secondary uh, up to year 12 and beyond. My, my goal, um, sorry, my story is the same. Hard work, patience, persistence will always get you the rewards. There you are, kids. Hard work, patience, persistence. persistence. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, and and I show them that goal setting is also very important. Like, uh, you you can't think that you're going to be an Olympic Olympian or a Paralympian overnight. Yeah. You've got to really have small goals leading to that big goal, which is to make the Australian team for the Paralympics or the Olympics. So, whichever it is, uh, or performing at um, on stage or where wherever you whatever it is you want to do. Have the small goals leading to that big goals because you're not going to be a superstar overnight. And if you are, it's what I call a very talented <laughs> person. So, and there's only very few of us who are super talented, yeah. but most of us have to work out. Even the super talented guys that want to achieve even the things that we can't even comprehend, uh, they also have to work hard to do what they do. Very good. But advice. just sometimes it can't. Sometimes it just comes easier for them. Uh, but that's what we call a gift. So yeah. Very good advice from a very good role model. Listen up, children. Now, just one more question before you go, Ahmed. Do you still think about what your life might have been like if Moira hadn't found you in Iraq? How lucky does it make you feel to be living in Australia if you do think back to your days in Iraq? Oh, my current life is going like 100 miles an hour. That You just don't have time to stop and think. But if I do, do have the opportunity to stop and really reflect, I honestly cannot imagine what my life would have been if I didn't, if this lady, Moira Kelly, hadn't walked into the orphanage doors and said, yes, I want to try and help these boys. Honestly, I wouldn't have a clue. But the way things are going, potentially uh, at an, another orphanage and who knows. But um, all I've really wanted to do was make the most of every opportunity that was presented myself and to do so in a positive mind frame. And I want to be able to inspire the next generation of people, uh, kids or people to achieve great things. So that's if, and for them to look at what I've been achieved, I hope it motivates them to say, okay, if Ame can do it, I want to, I should be able to do it. Or maybe I should reach out to him and see how he's been able to do it. And um, I can set goals and then go towards uh, my dreams and goals as well. Well, Ahmed, you've motivated me. I'm going to go and grab my towel and go for a swim. Um, you are <laughs> one of the you. remarkable, kind, generous, hardworking, diligent and successful Australians I know. So thank you so much for joining us on Everyday Greatness. And thank you, Barney, and thanks for all those nice words and compliments. Really, really appreciate it. And again, thanks for having me on the show. Not a problem at all. Thank you, Ahmed, and thank you all for listening. 
Thank you to the ARA Group for being our major sponsor for the fifth year in a row. Thank you to Look Studio Australia for recording this podcast. And I hope when you all put your devices down in a little while, you lift your head up, push your shoulders back and walk down the street proud of being an everyday Joe or Joanne bag of donuts. Next week, I hope you can join us where I'll sit alongside my co-host, Order of Australia medalist Scott Gibbons, and we'll both be talking to Fox Sports Australia presenter Sarah Jones. We'll talk to Sarah about how a sports-mad little girl from country Victoria, whose grandfather played for Essendon after World War II, became a commentator and host on Fox Sports Australia. I hope you can join us for that one. But in the meantime, if you'd like to find out more about this show, go to our website, everydaygreatness.com.au or follow, this, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And we hope to see you next time. Thank you.